Today is the third Sunday of Advent. It's also December 12th, the feast day of Our Lady of Guadalupe, whom I think you know is the patroness of the Americas. So there is the image of Our Lady of Guadalupe, also the patroness of the pro-life movement, because this is, I think, the only major uh, coming of Mary, uh, appearance of Mary in which she is pregnant. So we just had, before the 8.30 Mass, we had mariachi, we had Aztec dancers. It was really great. Some of you were there. Today is the third Sunday of Advent. This color, the color of those bows, the color of the candle for the third Sunday is rose, and that in the church's liturgical tradition symbolizes joy. There is no exhaustive definition of joy in our faith tradition, but I believe it has something to do with the experience of a real lived encounter with God. When I experience truly God's love, and it can be God's love because I'm connected with God here and someone is living justice and God's love in another part of the planet, joy can be experienced. Joy is something much deeper than happiness. It's a fulfillment and a strength and a satisfaction at the depth of a person's soul. You can experience joy if you are in good times or in bad times. You can experience joy when you're very healthy. You can experience in the midst of cancer. People in concentration camps can experience joy, a real encounter, a lived encounter with the love of God. In Advent, we are preparing, hopefully, for the coming of Jesus Christ to somehow be reborn in us through the grace of the Christmas season. Two weeks, we're going to enter into what experience has proven is not just a memory of the birth of the Savior of the world. It is a season of real grace that God gives us year after year somehow for Jesus to be reborn in us individually, collectively. What will that mean? Only God knows. When will that unfold? Only God knows. But experience has proven this is real. I am a very limited Christian. I really want Jesus to be reborn in us. This world is a mess. Clearly, we collectively need Jesus to be reborn in us. So Advent is a four-week experience of preparing for the coming of this grace. I know many of you are already doing it, and I hope you're going to enter into it more deeply this week. First reading we heard and the responsorial that we prayed are both from prophets, Zephaniah and Isaiah, Jewish prophets. Usually we pray a psalm in that responsorial, so that's pretty unusual. In both of those passages, if you reopen them when you go home this week, our Jewish ancestors, hundreds of years before Jesus, are told by God that in the future, God is going to enter into all of the darkness of this world, and God is going to save God's people, save God's people from their sin, from their suffering, from their enemies, from their sadness, from their disappointment. Ultimately, God says, somehow, God is going to come into this world and save God's people from death itself. A Christian is a person who hears those passages and, and all the Jewish prophets and says, absolutely, God was speaking through these people, and what God was talking about was Jesus. The salvation that God ultimately brings to this fallen, sinful world is God's eternal Son, Jesus. So I am praying that that same Jesus will come into our lives through the grace of this Christmas season. Here's how I invite you to do it this week. It's just so easy. If you're a very holy person, if you're a very sinful person, anybody can do this. 
The gospel reading we just heard is once again, like last week, from the third chapter of the Gospel of Luke. In this passage, Luke is telling us about John the Baptist. John the Baptist is Jesus's cousin who tells his Jewish brothers and sisters, this long-awaited Savior, Messiah, God's anointed one, is actually about to come. It turns out to be the adult Jesus. John the Baptist, we heard this last week, calls people to change their lives, to prepare for the coming of this Savior. If you and I just take what he says in this passage directly and do it, don't water it down, just do it this week, you can be confident that you are doing preparation for the coming of Jesus. I posted this on our social media. Please tip me for that so you can pull this up and just follow it this week, or you can open your Bible, as people often do. All right, ready? So, first, people go out into the desert following this guy, John, and he, we heard last Sunday, he preaches a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. They actually go out into the Jordan River, and they go into the water, and they say, I want to die to my sin under the water, and I want to rise to a new life preparing for the coming of this Messiah. In the verses between what we heard last Sunday and what we just heard, John says, I'm paraphrasing, you need to be real about this because some people come out into the desert and they can't stand John the Baptist. There are certain religious leaders, he says, you're vipers. What are you doing here? You're in this crowd, but you have no intention to change your lives. He says that you must show good fruit as evidence of your repentance. He also says, any tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. Yikes! So you be real about this preparation for the Messiah, or you're going to be thrown into a fire. Some people actually really respond. They get it. They're really serious about this. And they say three times in this passage, this is what we just heard, what I hope you're going to work with this week, what are we supposed to do? What should we do? What practically should we do? So first, he says to the crowds, to everybody, whoever has two cloaks should share with the person who has none. And whoever has food should act likewise. Share materially. So think about this. This is a crowd of people, presumably 2,000 years ago. Some of them are very holy people, and they probably already share a lot. And some of them probably don't share anything whatsoever. That's great news for us, because we're the crowd today. I know that some of you share materially very deeply and very generously. That's a hallmark of this parish, that we really, really take the gifts that God has given us and we share them with people in need. Some of you have bought Christmas presents through the giving tree for children in this community who otherwise will not have Christmas presents. Some of you are feeding people at Corunum every day, people who don't have food and drink in this community. And some of you, I presume, don't share, I was about to say a bad word, don't share anything with anyone particularly. That's who this crowd is. But somehow we landed here. I believe what we are invited to do this week, if you are already someone who shares generously, share more. Share more. Share more. I'll explain this later. Believe it or not, share more. We happen to live in a community where we can see every day the needs of people who do not have food, drink, clothing, presence, education, and we have the means 
we all know through just our parish how to share. So share more this week. If you don't share anything much in your life, do it this week. Doesn't matter how you feel, doesn't matter, it truly does not matter how you feel about this. John the Baptist says, whoever has two cloaks, you don't have to have a lot, share with the person, just one, who doesn't. If you don't share materially, do it this week, and you will be living Advent. Number two, people who are tax collectors actually go out and are baptized. Remember, tax collectors in Jesus' time and place are pretty much despised by everybody because they're living in a profession that's very much corrupt. So the, the Roman government, they, collect the, they charge the taxes. They hire people to collect the taxes. People bid with the Roman government to go out and collect taxes. So Kathy owes 100X. I'm the tax collector. I've paid the Roman government. I go and shake Kathy down for 200. I'm free to do whatever I want. Tax collectors in Jesus' time are typically preying on vulnerable people. They're dishonest, manipulative, nasty people. They, some of them, are actually changing and they're converting. They sincerely say to John the Baptist, what should we do? And he says, stop collecting more than what's prescribed. He doesn't say, get out of that business. He doesn't say anything other, stop, other than stop collecting more than what's prescribed. If Kathy, in fairness, owes 100, just collect 100. Stop collecting all the manipulative, nasty stuff. I mean this sincerely. I cannot do this this week for you any more than you can do it for me. I do not have cameras in your homes as much as I've tried. I do not have spyware in your computers. I do not know any more than you know what you're really doing. Some of you are very honest. But we live in a society that is increasingly dishonest, where we really do manipulate one another, where people who have corporations celebrate making money messing around with other people's lives. We live in Lawrence. This is the capital of corruption. So this week, in the ways that you're cheating, in the ways that you're manipulating other people, in the ways that you're preying on vulnerable people, and there's a lot of that going around here, stop it. You know what you're doing. Stop the bad part. Just be honest. Be a person of integrity this week, and you will be living Advent. I promise I will do the same. Thirdly, soldiers go out to be baptized. So these are presumably men who are in the service of Herod Antipas. We talked about him last week. I mean, a really perverse, sick king, a really sick person. So presumably his soldiers are also doing sick things, but some of them are changing. That's a big thing about Luke, the Gospel of Luke. He emphasizes people who are considered on the edges of society or over the edge, they sincerely convert to John the Baptist and then to Jesus. So the soldiers say, what should we do? If you claim that you cannot do these things this week, you are lying again in church. Here's what he says to the soldiers. Do not... Uh, I'm missing the verb, do not uh, perform extortion, do not extort people. We'll come back to this. Do not falsely accuse anyone. Be satisfied with your wages. 
So do not extort anyone. I hope most of us are not shaking people down for money, but extortion at its base is recognizing a person's faults and treating the person badly because of the person's faults. We are mastering this sin in the United States. We are up morning, noon, and night observing one another's faults and then treating one another badly because of those faults. This week, stop it. Stop extorting people. Number two, do not falsely accuse anyone. This week, do not say anything negative about anyone unless you are absolutely factually clear that you have the fullness of the truth. Bill Blanchett is robbing houses on Crosby Street. I'm going to tell people about that because they should be careful about Bill Blanchett. Well, that was a lie. That was a false accusation. But let's say he did that. But think about it. Unless you know for sure that the negative things you're saying about anybody else are absolutely factually true, don't do it to a single person this week. And a lot of us might be saying, I don't think I can do that. I mean, I'm on all day making false accusations. I live in a workplace where we entertain one another with false accusations. In my school, I'm a seventh grade girl. I mean, that's all I do morning, noon, and night. Do not falsely accuse anyone this week. And finally, he says to the soldiers, be satisfied with your wages. Just be satisfied with what you have. For one week, would you try that? Not thinking about more, not asking for more, just being satisfied with what you have for one week. So those three directions, share materially, do not collect more than what's prescribed, and then the three last ones, it's doable by all of us. I will conclude, but I hope you get this. John the Baptist is not telling people to jump through hoops. He's not giving people a test or some exercise for the sake of an exercise. He's priming the pump for Jesus. He's telling people how to love more. When Jesus enters these people's lives, when he comes, he picks up right where John the Baptist leads off, and he blows it all open. Jesus is the one who ends up revealing the fullness of what it means to share materially. Jesus ends up blowing open what it means to live with integrity, to not cheat people, to not manipulate. Jesus is the one who comes and tells people how to be people of integrity, how to be honest, how not to falsely accuse, and how to actually be happy with whatever it is I have. John the Baptist is teaching people, start loving for real now, so when love himself comes into your life, you're already ready for him. If Jesus is going to come through the grace of Christmas into any of us to be reborn in us, he's going to be asking for more love. He's going to be offering more love. The way you prepare for love is by loving more. The way you prepare for joy is by loving more. Thank you for listening. To learn more and to get involved, go to stpatrickparish.com.